may have seen on the screen, we're actually going to start a new series today called Hungry for God. This is a series that I've never actually taught on. This is a topic that I've never actually taught on, so this is new for me as well. I mean, you know, it's a concept that we've heard throughout the years, but to dive into it and to actually, you know, how do I get hungry for God? How does that happen? So we want to get into some practical things about being hungry for God. Do you, do, you, do you remember a time in your life when maybe you were hungry for God? Do you remember maybe when you were a teenager and something sparked in your youth group or something if you were in church during your teenage years and you just got hungry for God? Do you remember that? Yeah. And it just, it just was there. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life as an adult. And apparently... AARP thinks I'm a senior now, you know, scratching my head on that one. Chris was telling me about some other benefit that happens when I turn 55. I got a few more years before I catch you, Chris. <laughs> you get these little surprises in the mail, right? I want to be hungry for God. What is that? That in and of itself is a hunger for God, Right? But I want more. I want more. And I stand before you today as, as a pastor, as somebody that preaches to you every Sunday, and I say, I could use more hunger for God. And I hope that you appreciate that. Because listen, I'm with you. I'm just a mailman. I just deliver his messages to you, right? And I have to experience this life for myself. I don't, I don't have some special access to God. It'd be great. I'm sure there's a pastor somewhere else that does, right? At least he'll tell you that. Knock yourself out. Go find him if you need that, all right? But I'm just a guy like you that's trying to figure out this relationship with God, that's trying to grow in my relationship with God, and I want to be more hungry for him. I want to be more hungry for him. I want to be able to say, as, as the guys in the Bible, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today, right? Oh, I can't wait to go back to church. Don't you want that? And then if we start having midweek services and you find out there's food that someone's cooking for you, you'd be like, yeah, I get to go eat and get the word of God, right? So we get hungry for it. All of us were created with these abilities to have appetites. You've, all of us have appetites, right? You've got all kinds of appetites. And these appetites for the most part, are, are given to us, well, they're given to us to draw us to the things that God wants us to want. God gave us an appetite so that we would want what He wants us to have. But the problem is, sometimes we want things that we shouldn't have, right? God made your body to create what is lacking. If you lack water, you thirst. That's an appetite, right? That's that's uh, being hungry for water. You crave water. When you're tired, you crave sleep. Some of you can't wait to go home and have your afternoon nap. You crave it. I crave sleep. If you lack protein, you crave something like peanut butter or a steak, right? You, you crave things that your body needs. You crave, there's, there's a time that you'll crave fat. There's a time that you'll crave calcium, there's a time that you'll crave salt, there's a time that you'll crave carbs. Your body was created to, to crave the things that you need or that you're, you're lacking in. Those are our natural cravings. But here's, here's what's important for us to know. When, 
we also face the craving for spiritual desires, for God in our lives. We can have that craving. Uh, but here's the problem that we face when it comes to cravings. Sugar. You ever crave sugar? Of course. We're Americans. We're, we're trained to create, to, to love sugar. You know, sugar causes a lot of problems in our lives. I know you don't want to hear this today, but what you and I just ate over the last couple of weeks is problematic. It causes our immune system to go down. You get sick faster. Sugar will do that to you. It causes inflammation inside your body, which ultimately can lead to cancer. That's a problem, isn't it? Sugar does that. It rots your teeth. If you have teeth, Father. <laughs> That's a whole other story, right? It causes obesity, it causes diabetes, heart disease, digestive problems. I mean, the list goes on and on what sugar causes, the problems that it causes in our lives. And it's so destructive, you, you and I ask ourselves, why do I crave it so much? Why? Here's why, because it's addictive. We crave things that are addictive. They did studies with rats. And they have found that sugar is far more addictive than cocaine. That's scary, isn't it? That's crazy. When you eat sugar, you crave sugar. When you eat it, you crave it. And it's amazing how quickly your body changes when you, and you feel so much better when you get off of sugar. A couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, I stopped eating sugar for the most part, and I stopped eating grains for the most part. I dropped like 25 pounds. Thank you. I needed that because I'm going to have to do it again. I dropped like 25 pounds by just cutting those two things out of my diet for the most part. And I felt so much better. I was awake. I was alert. Everything was great. But then Angela got sick, and everybody started bringing all kinds of stuff over, right? So, so the December of that year that I had stopped, I had stopped eating that stuff for about a year and a half at that point. That December, I had some blood work done, and everything came back absolutely just perfect. Everything was within the green margins. Everything, everything. I was like, wow, I'm the most healthy person on earth, you know? Six months later, Angela got sick, and we started eating all the cakes and stuff that everybody would bring. At that point, we were just in survival mode, and I wasn't paying attention anymore to what I ate. started gaining my weight back, and it just, ugh, I felt horrible and trying to take care of her. And December of that year, one year ago, I had another blood, blood test, blow my blood work done. It was horrible. <laughs> just in six months' period of time, my body had completely changed. You know, and if you watch a little baby like Eli, what that kid eats from day to day shows up the next day. You know, if he doesn't eat one day, he's, he's going to be scrawny and skinny and looking pitiful. But he eats healthy, and so what's he, the next day, it's like, good grief, this kid has grown more. This is Bam Bam we're dealing with here. Just one day of what you put in your body can make such a difference. Uh, so I've started eating better since... Earlier this year, I did somewhat better. I had my blood work done another month and a half ago or so, and my blood work wasn't perfect like it was a year, a couple of years ago, but it was better, or last year, I guess. But it was better. Why? Because 
I cut out that stuff for the most part, except for the last two weeks. But it's amazing how our body changes just by what we put in it. And it really does change just in one day's time. Imagine how much more your spiritual body is affected by what you take in. Or even more so, what you don't take in. You ever turn on the radio and you finally get to that Christian music station and suddenly it feels like everything is okay? You know, you can try all those other stations, but when you finally get to that Christian music and it's a song that just connects with you, all of a sudden there's peace. All of a sudden everything just feels okay. It's spiritual food. You just take it in. You ever just start praying? It's spiritual food. When you come to church, you walk out, you feel better. Unless I preached about sugar and you shouldn't eat it. Your spiritual life, if you partake in the things of the world, what happens? You begin to crave the things of the world. John, I can't stop doing this. I have problems with this area of my life and this sin in my life and this stuff in my life. And I can't stop. Well, I'm going to tell you how. When you start feeding yourself with God and what God has, it changes everything in your life. And your cravings become, you become hungry for God. More hungry for Him. You crave the things of God. So as you begin this year, what if you decide today, January 1st, 2023, that you are going to spend this year feeding your inner, your inner soul, your inner man, that inner person that God has made alive in you, and you begin to feed yourself, your true self, your real self, your eternal self with God? What if you decide to do that today? And you say, okay, for this one year, I'm just going to give it all I've got, no matter what happens in my life this year, no matter how difficult it gets, I'm going to feed God into my life. It would change everything. And when you begin a schedule of being with Him, reading about Him, doing things with Him, you will find that you're going to become hungry for Him. Jesus said this, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. That's what Jesus said. And at the same time, your hunger for the things that are destroying your relationship with God, those things are going to dissipate. Wouldn't you want that? The things that we use for comfort, that are negative, all the things that we don't want to do, those things dissipate as our hunger for God begins to grow. Jesus said, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What is he talking about? He's talking about your hunger and thirst for the things of this world and that feed this flesh. That's going to dissipate when you begin to eat the true bread of life, which is Jesus. So Jesus is saying that if you make the switch in hungering for, for him, after him, your hunger and thirst for the things of the flesh is going to go away. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That's a big deal. That's a life changer. But it's like sugar. 
It's like sugar. As soon as you start to eat it, what happens? You want more sugar. You eat one cookie, oh, I got to have another. Oh, what's the big deal? It's New Year's Eve, right? It's this or that. And we, we make all of these excuses. And as soon as we get a taste of it, as soon as it comes, starts coming in, boy, it just messes us up. Now, if, you, if what you put in your body affects your body that much, how much more does what you put into your life spiritually affect you for the positive and the negative? Well, John, honestly, I just want to get to heaven. I really, don't, I really don't want to be hungry for God. I really don't need to get closer to Him. I just want to have Jesus in my life enough that I can get to heaven. I can take it or leave it, except for the heaven part. That's what I want. I want to get to heaven. You got to hear what Jesus said about this because it matters to God. One day, Jesus was teaching a huge crowd of people and saw that they were going to need something to eat. That's kind of him, right? So, all these people had come out, thousands of people had come out, and Jesus is like, Man, these people are not going to make it back home. It's going to be in the newspapers. They came to my meeting and they went back and they died on their way home. This is a problem. I don't know what he was thinking, but Jesus saw that the people needed some food to eat, and they weren't, they weren't in a town of any kind. There wasn't a McDonald's for them to all go by real quick and grab a, a burger. There wasn't any kind of a caterer that they could have brought in. In fact, Jesus had the, you know, he asked them about it, and they were like, well, Jesus, all we've got is 200 pieces of silver. We don't have enough food to feed all of these people. We don't have enough money to pay for it, even if we did have food. So Jesus had them take an inventory of the crowd. And so one of the guys came back and he said, hey, there's a kid over here that's got five loaves of bread and a couple of fish and, and uh, don't know what you could do with that, but here we go. And Jesus said, all right, bring them here. So Jesus gave thanks for the bread and he broke it and they spread it out among the thousands of people that were there. Scripture says there were like 5,000 people there that day. And some commentators say that that was just the men that they counted. That's a lot of people to feed with five loaves of, of, of bread, right? And the couple of fish, he did the same thing with it. He gave thanks for it as we do. We pray over our meals and we give thanks for it, right? And he, so he prayed over it, gave thanks for it, and he spread it out. Everybody, and it says that everybody had all that they wanted to eat that day. What an incredible, incredible miracle. So the people, they realized, man, this is what Jesus did. Jesus just fed us all with these, and everybody started talking about it. There was a buzz in the air, and, and they realized this is what he just did, and they were like, man, we need to make this guy our leader. Let's make him king. So they went to grab Jesus for him to be their king, and Jesus was like, you know what? This is not what the Father brought me here for. He didn't call me to be king of the flesh. And so Jesus slipped away and he went up on top of a mountain or he went up the mountainside by himself and he left everybody behind. He left the disciples. He left everybody behind. He was by himself. And, and it's just interesting because that night the disciples, they just left him. You can imagine they were probably like, well, where's Jesus? We got to leave. We got to go. We got to go to Capernaum. Where is Jesus? Well, he's not here. Well, he's big enough. He can figure it out himself. All right. So they got on the boat and they took off and they get about three or four miles off of the shore and they look and there's someone walking on water coming towards them. It was Jesus. Now, understand the people that were there, all of the crowds, they knew Jesus didn't get on the boat when they left. These guys, all of those crowds, got on boats, and they also followed to Capernaum. And when they all got there, 
Suddenly they see that Jesus is there because he had walked out on water and he walked to the boat. And you guys know that story. So they're in Capernaum and the guys, the, the, all of the crowds that were there for the food and everything in the other, at the other place, they were like, Jesus, when did you get here? How did you get here? We don't understand. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and I did it for free. Jesus was not happy with this crowd. They were going to try to make him king in the other spot. And now they're here and Jesus is calling them out. He's like, hey, I got a problem with this. You guys didn't want anything to do with God. All you want is the free food that I was offering you. All you want is to fill your stomachs, and, and that's all you want to do is take care of your flesh. Jesus was frustrated that the only reason the people were following him was to feed their flesh. Do you think that's happening today? Just turn on the radio or turn on whatever channel on YouTube or whatever, and you'll hear, that's all we're, that, that's not all, that's, there's, there's a lot of preaching going on that that's what we teach, is Jesus is here to feed your flesh, he's going to make you rich, he's going to give you all you want, and he's going to take care of you, you all know what I'm talking about, and Jesus himself was mad at this crowd, he was frustrated with them, Listen, God is far more interested on you dining spiritual food than he is on food of the flesh. He's far more interested in that. And Jesus said to them, don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you. Food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides. He and what He does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. What does that mean to you? Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you. Food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides. He and what He does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. What does that mean to you? Put God above your flesh. How hard will you work for a piece of food when you're hungry? How far will you drive to get to a store when you're hungry or a place to eat? How hard will you work to have food on your table? So let me ask you this. How far would you drive for a spiritual food? What would you give to have spiritual food? How much traffic on 380 would you fight 
to get to church. How many times will you get out of bed on Sunday morning this next year? What will you do to come for a prayer meeting? What effort will you put into a relationship with God? Could you stand 15 more minutes in the morning of less sleep so that you can sit up and say hi to him and talk to him? Could you stay up maybe a few minutes later at night to talk to him? Don't waste your energy striving for spirit or perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you. Work for it. Cultivate a hunger for it. Food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides. He and what He does are guaranteed by God. Last. Guaranteed by God. So Jesus went on to tell them in this, he says, I am the bread of life. All right, so remember, he's frustrated with these people. And he says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats this bread will live and forever. The bread that I present to the world so that it can eat and live is myself. This flesh is. And blood self. And it says that when he said this, so he looks at them and he's, he's like, I'm the bread of life. Anybody who partakes of me will live forever. And it says that they started fighting among themselves. What is he talking about? I don't understand this. What is he saying? And he said this, how can this man serve up his flesh for a meal? So they, they, they were trying to take it to the extreme which Jesus honestly started doubling down on. He's like, okay, you guys don't want to believe in God. You don't want to believe in me. You just want a free meal. You just want to have whatever it is that I give you for free and give you a dog and pony show. I'm just going to show you a miracle here and a miracle there, and it's going to be something. You don't want a real relationship with me, so all right. Jesus doubled down on it, and he didn't even explain. He says, and look what it says, but Jesus didn't give an inch. That means he's just like, you know what? I'm going to hand it to them. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like what they're saying. I don't like their attitude. And, it's, and he said this, only insofar as you eat or drink my flesh or flesh and blood, the flesh and blood of the Son of Man, do you have life within you? The one who brings a hearty appetite to this eating and drinking has eternal life and will be fit and ready for the final day. My flesh is real food and and my blood is real drink. By eating my flesh and drinking my blood, you enter into me and I into you. And everybody was like, whoa, this is a cult. This guy is crazy. He just told us we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's disgusting. And Jesus didn't explain it. He just let him have it. And what happened? Everybody started walking away. 
Thousands of people started walking away. Now get the picture here. You can imagine when the disciples showed up that day, they were like, wow, the air is electric. This is awesome. This is an amazing crowd. This is exciting. Wow, we should just build a big, giant church here. Look at the thousands of people that are here. This is wonderful, man. We're going to get a jet and all kinds of stuff. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus walks up and he does this. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, and that's how you can be saved. All they cared about was this life and their flesh, but Jesus came to give more than that, way more than that. Jesus came to give spiritual food that would last forever. So he came to offer And then it says this, after this, many of his disciples left, all right? So this was beyond the 12. He had had like 600 disciples that we know of towards the end of his ministry. But many of these guys had left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. They stiff-armed him. No, we're not with him anymore. He's a cult. He's messed up. Then Jesus gave the 12 their chance, and he looked at the 12 disciples And he said, do you guys want to leave too? He was willing for all of them to walk away. And Peter looks at him and says, Master, to whom will we go? You're God. We know you're God. We don't understand what you just did. We don't get it from what you just said. But we're going to trust you in spite of it. So we come to a place where we understand that God is not trying to talk you into loving him. In fact, he's very, very open to you just walking away. And Jesus himself will give you every reason to walk away from him. He's interested in people that want to love him. He's interested in people that want to be hungry for him. He's interested in people that want to say, okay, God, you're my God. I don't understand all the things that you do. I don't understand why you like certain things and don't like certain things. But I'm going to get to know who you are, and I'm going to accept you into my life. And there's going to be some things that I don't understand. And i got to be honest with you. I had a conversation like this myself with God this morning. God, I don't understand why all the things have happened in the last year of my life. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm hungry for you. I choose to be hungry for you. I choose to trust you. I choose to believe in you. You see, God is looking for people who will love him. He's looking for people who will love him. People who will become hungry for him. And when when you're going through trials and struggles, here's the question. What do you hunger for? Do you hunger for something to give you comfort? I do. I like chocolate. I like tasty cake bells. I like big muffins. I like a lot of things that bring comfort. But I need to be hungry for something else. When you're going through financial hardship, what are you hungry for? Well, I just want this to be over. I just want money. Okay, I'm going to work myself to the bone just to have money. Or do you hunger for God to come through for you? Work is good. Don't get me wrong. 
But are you hungry for God to come through for you? Do you just hunger for the trials to be over? Or are you hungry for God to show up in your life? If it's a health problem, are you starving for the health problem to go away? Or are you just hungry to see God work in your life and bring meaning to it? What are you hungry for in your trial and struggle? King David wrote a lot during his trials and struggles in life. And listen to what he said. King David said this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. He was going through a really hard time at this moment. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. What is he saying? During my time of trial and difficulty, I praise the Lord. I worship Him. I choose that He's my God, and I trust Him in spite of all of the problems and struggles that I'm dealing with. And He fills my soul with fat and rich food that feels good inside of me. It's a whole different thing than just feeding this body of flesh to feel better. And He also wrote this, and you guys have probably sang the song about it, as a deer gets thirsty for streams of water. I truly am thirsty for you, my God. In my heart, I'm thirsty for you, the living God. When will I see your face? Look at that question. When will I see your face? He's hungry to see the face of God. In my heart, I'm thirsty for you, the living God. When will I see your face? Day and night, my tears are my only food. As everyone keeps asking, where is your God? You see, he was in a really difficult moment of his life. Others were like, well, where's your God? You love him so much. Why isn't he helping you? And they're asking this, where is your God? He says, sorrow floods my heart when I remember leading the worshipers to your house. I can still hear them shout their joyful praises. Why am I discouraged? Why am I restless? I should trust you, Lord. In the middle of his trial, this is his conversation with God. James David, would you come? And I want you to look at Job for just a few minutes before we go. Job was going through the most difficult time in his life. If you haven't read the book, that book in the Bible, I encourage you to go read it. (laughs) I encourage you to read the book of Job if you haven't. I won't go too far into what it is, but Job basically was a great, great lover of God. And God knew it. And God challenged Satan with an understanding that Job loves me and he will never, never turn against me. I believe in that man. I believe he loves me. And Satan was like, no, he doesn't love you. You just kept your hedge of protection around him. He doesn't love you. And God was like, no. That guy loves me. I know it. Will you let me mess with his life and I'll show you that he doesn't love you. Okay. Job had no idea what was happening in that celestial conversation. 
just a man, a good man, a God lover. And Satan comes down, kills his children, burns his house, all of his livestock die, left his wife, I don't know what to read into that. Loses his health. He gets boils all over him. In chapter 23, verse 12, he said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I love him even more than food. And until you go without food, you don't realize how important food is in your life. You see, Job chose to love God. He chose to hunger for God. And although he missed his kids, although he missed his home, he missed his livestock, he missed the good days when everything was fine. He missed time with God in that respect. He missed the influence that he had in the community. He wasn't fighting for those things to come back. I want to read to you what Job was wanting. Over and over, he said this. Chapter 23, verse 3, he said, If I knew where to find God, I would go there. He hungered for God. If I knew where to find Him, I would go. You ever felt that way? Later in that chapter, verses 8 and 9, I cannot find God anywhere in front or back of me, to my left or my right. God is always at work, though I never see Him. I can't find Him. I'm hungry for Him. In Job 24, verse 1, why don't His people know where He can be found? And the raw emotion of this man who has lost so much is there. Why can't we know where he is? Why can't he be found? And Job was struggling. You see, Job believed God was the answer to his loss. He believed God was the answer to his pain. He believed God was the answer to his future. And all of his conversations with his friends, as you read throughout that book, all of those conversations were about God. Trying to figure out where God is and what God is doing. And they, they didn't have a lot of good answers. Most of it was your fault, you must have sinned, you've got some kind of hidden stuff going on. None of that was, was what mattered. The whole conversation like that was useless because what they didn't know was there was a celestial conversation that was had that God looked down and said, there's a man on planet earth that absolutely loves me. And no matter what you do to him, Satan, he's going to love me anyway. He's going to serve me anyway. He's not going to curse me. He may not understand why I did what I did or why I allowed what I allowed. But that man loves me. And that's what I'm after. Job struggled to understand why the wicked. He writes about it. Why the wicked get all that they... Why aren't the wicked losing their, their families like this? Why are the wicked getting rich? Why is this happening? I don't understand why this is happening to me. He goes through all of that. But in all of that, he was hungry for God 
to be the one to be the answer for his life. And Job said this, I long for the past when God took care of me and the light from his lamp showed me the way through the dark. I was in the prime of life. God all-powerful was my closest friend and all my children were nearby. My herds gave enough milk to bathe my feet and from my olive harvest flowed rivers of oil. He said, man, and things were wonderful. I long for that again. I long for what? I long for God. When God took care of me, when God was with me, when God was by my side, when I knew that he was right here with me. You see, your problems and struggles in life are either going to cause you to run after God or to run from him. Those are the two choices. You're either going to run from him or you're going to run after him. And it's your choice. And the real answer is whether or not you love Him. Has nothing to do with whether or not you believe in Him. Has nothing to do with whether or not you, you think that he, was, he created planet Earth when it was created and how He said it was created. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with do you decide to love Him for who He is and who He says He is. That's the question. You'll either shake your fist at him and tell him to go, or you'll open your heart more and cling to him tighter and say, God, you're all I've got. I may not feel you at the moment. I may not see you at the moment, but I know you're there. And Job said this, God may kill me, but still I will trust him. even if he kills me. You see, you may be struggling to understand why you've lost that loved one or why that job opportunity passed you by or why that child is living a life that's not good, destructive to themselves or why your spouse left you or why those people, people that were supposed to love you betrayed you. You may be going through all kinds of different struggles in your life. Maybe you've been through all of that. The question is, do you love him? You see, God is coming for those who are watching and waiting for him. Hebrews 9, 28, the Messiah, having been offered once to bear all the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with your sin. That's already been dealt with. Isn't that exciting? He's coming back not to deal with your sin because that's already been dealt with. He's coming back for those who, who want to have a relationship with Him. Those who are hungry for Him. Those who are watching. Those who are waiting for Him. Those who can't wait to see Him come in the air. Those who want to be with Him. Those who say, no matter what happens, God, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love you no matter what happens. Even if all of your people nail me to the cross, I'm with you. Do you love him? Would you bow your heads? question 
is not, does God love you? That question's already been settled. The question is, do you love him? Get a taste of him today. Get hungry. What will you do to have a little bit more of God? What would you do to have a little bit more of him? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Invite him in a little bit more. God, I want you inside of me. I want you to live in me. And I in you. I want to eat that flesh and drink that blood. I want to abide in you. Make me hungry. Ask him, God, make me hungry. Let me have a taste of you. I want to be addicted to you. I want you to fill my life with your presence. I hunger for you. Maybe some of you have been hurt so bad. What you thought was a hunger for something else to fix you or to help you or to comfort you. It's actually a hunger for God. And only He can fix that. Only He can fill it. Only He can help. Just turn to Him. God, I'm tired of trying everything else. I want You. Fill me with you. Feed me with you. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, want to give you an opportunity if you <clears throat> say God I want you to be my God maybe for the first time or maybe you've reconnected with him today it's important for you to just say yeah I made this decision in my life and right where you're at I just want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours alright it's a new beginning it's a new beginning new beginning.